eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Damn Podcast. I am your host, Angie Machado. Joined with me, as always, is Beaver Blitz, Be- Beaver Blitz beat writer Jake Hedberg. Jake, it, we are taping or going live Monday afternoon. It is like 105 degrees outside. How is it where you're at? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty hot, you know, just been cranking here, conditioning, trying to keep everyone cool. Pretty hot right now. No practice um, that the media is able to take part in today. So um, you'll be back down there tomorrow, Tuesday. We have availability Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. Um, But I have a feeling things are going to start tightening up as the Beavers start uh, prepping for the upcoming season and get out of fall camp mode and move into uh, game prep mode. Quick, quick, just let's give you a kind of a rundown of what we have planned for today. We're going to start the show off with the whole realignment talk, um, kind of what we're hearing. It is ever-changing, and things have been very tight-lipped, but um, we'll kind of give you what we're hearing, what we're seeing, um, and what we kind of best guess right now. Um, This is still a a very moving, fluid target. And, um, I mean, the ACC, I guess, could vote again and, and take Cal and Stanford, and we're back talking Big 12. But that is what we're going to start with today. And then we will go ahead and... Go midterm fall camp. We are halfway through uh, fall camp based on calendar wise. So Jake and I will give our thoughts. Jake has been in all the practices, um, but I think we have a lot to talk about after Saturday's scrimmage. It was a three hour scrimmage that Jake and I were at. So we'll talk about that. We have a mailbag and then we have a guest the beeb where I am going to try to stump Jake. So um, we'll see. I didn't go way, way back this time. I could have gone like 2000 before he was born, but I did it. So Jake, are you ready to talk some Oregon State Beaver football? Yep, let's do it. Okay. Let's go ahead and just start with the whole pack four and what we know. Um, so if you haven't been kind of following along um, of what's been going on kind of off the, you know, behind the scenes, pack four, which is Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, and Cal, um, had brought in Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's dad, who is, he was, he's been a, a commissioner. He has been, he was the commissioner of the XFL that is now defunct, but um, he's been in this landscape a lot. They brought him in as a consultant. Um, 
we have heard and seen that he, I actually saw on Twitter he was at FAU today um, and he met with their football program at some level. I, I don't know exactly what was discussed. There are pictures of him there. Uh, they are, the interesting part here is that they are an AAC team, conference team. And there is kind of the, the rumor that has the most legs right now is some type of a merger between the Pac-4 and some of the AAC teams and potentially some of the Mountain West teams, depending on buyout. Jake, is that what you're kind of seeing and hearing too? Yeah, the big thing, you know, that I've really been seeing on Twitter and kind of been hearing behind the scenes is they're working with the American athletic conference to kind of merge the two and potentially sprinkle in, you know, like a Boise state, San Diego state, uh, UNLV, Colorado state programs like that. Um, that's kind of my guess as to where this thing's headed right now, which, and the big key to me is the uh, college football playoff bid. Cause if they still get the auto bid, then, if you look at it, that conference is one that Oregon State should be the top dog in. Yeah, and that I think that is the huge, huge sticking point here um, as you look at this because the money is not going to be as as good as it was in the Pac-12. Oregon State will be taking a hit regardless. They would have taken a hit if they went to the the Big 12 as well because they wouldn't have been coming in at a full share. Um, things I've heard is potentially like a $15 million a team, $15 to $17 million per team, depending on how many teams – which is a huge cut. I mean, that's the, that's about half of what Oregon State has right now coming in from TV revenue. I think the biggest sticking point, though, has got to be that big. The Pac-12 has to keep that auto bid, the CFP Power Five status. Um, that is going to be a huge sticking point. Um, I have heard that current commissioner uh, George Klyakov is not down meeting um, with the AAC commissioners. We'll see. That's just kind of more of a rumor. Um, so what would this conference look like? I, I've seen some, Jake, but Jake, are you kind of seeing it would be a real West and East comp, two, two divisions, uh, maybe eight to 12 teams per division. Um, what are your thoughts on that breakdown? Potentially, if you look at it, I, I kind of wrote down some names. You'd have the Pac-4, maybe mm -hmm. bring in a San Diego State, Boise State, UTSA, SMU, Tulsa, um, Tulane. Tulane, Memphis, Rice, maybe FAU, Eastern Carolina, um, South Florida, South Florida. What are your thoughts then with, with having two divisions like that? Yeah. I mean, I feel like they're going to add, if this rumor is true and they do end up merging, I think you're going to see at least 16 teams in this conference. And I do think you see it split more uh, based off it, the regions for the two divisions. I do feel like you'll see like teams, in the western half of the country, where it's like Texas teams, California, the, the Oregon and Washington states. Um, and then I feel like you'll definitely see a wave of programs on the East Coast or like the Gulf of Mexico. They'll be in the Eastern Division, it would be my guess, if this does end up happening. If it, if it happens, what's your, your gut reaction? I mean, obviously, it's going to be a little weird. Um, I think it's not worst case. Uh, it's not best case either, but I do feel like if there is the auto playoff bid, I feel like there's a clear path for Oregon State to be um, a team that holds that. And then I'm really curious to see how long this all lasts because my gut's kind of telling me that give it a few years and, Pac and the former Pac-12 teams will kind of be at least – ones like Oregon, Washington, USC, and 
UCLA traveling that far that consistently are going to be feeling it a little more than Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado are. And that's something, too, I think, you know, Scott Barnes has been very vocal about. We've heard other ADs being very vocal about this, as well as student-athletes from some of the schools that have now departed the Pac-12. Is just the, the, the mental health, the physical health, the having family be able to see you play and that much travel for every team except yeah. every sport except football. So if you do something like this, it would it would keep that, you know, in alignment with what what Scott Barnes at least is saying. Mm-hmm. I, I like it from a recruiting standpoint because I think it does help you maybe pull in some Texas, Florida guys um, that maybe yeah. you're going to be playing there. Um, it isn't best. I, I still love the idea of Oregon State to the Big 12 just because I think it fits so well with so many of their yeah, other sports. I feel like- Culture-wise, it's a big-time yeah. fit. But, like you said, I think even in three to four or five years, this, the landscape is going to be completely different. As I think we start seeing even more division, I there's been a big thread in the Lodge at Beaver Blitz, too. This isn't necessarily realignment. This is about the haves and the have-nots. And I think those in the, the have division, the have category, are really trying to consolidate and get rid of. It's, this isn't about realigning. This is about excluding teams. And so I think we even see some of the teams that are in the Big 12, maybe even Big 10, um, the lower tier schools be, you know, drop down to another, you know, I, I think that's where it's going. And, and again, it's all driven by money. It doesn't matter that Oregon State, you know, I, I do have to give props to Oregon State for doing a lot of social media and talking about being behind the guys and, and the teams. And when you, when you look at Oregon State, I, I don't have it pulled up, but they, since 2018, they're the one of two programs to have had a basketball team in the Elite Eight, a 10-win football season, and a college world, yeah, college world Series, a softball College World Series berth, an Elite Eight in men's basketball. soccer, and men, yeah, an Elite Eight with men's basketball. And women's and basketball. women's basketball, oh. Elite Eight, too. So and you look soccer, at that. And then the, the, the golf teams, too. Okay, uh, golf. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's unreal what Oregon State has done. And, and one thing we keep hearing about, too, I wanted to point this out, is about budgets. And people talk about Oregon State having a lower budget, that they're not at that 100, 100 million, you know, kind of cutoff point. I think they're at 83 million. But remember, too, Oregon State football, they don't have to pay salaries necessarily. The cost of living in Corvallis is so different than the rest of the Pac-12. I would say, you know, Washington State, Oregon State, have two of the lower cost of livings, especially in the conference, when you consider the Bay yeah. Area, the LA market, the Seattle market. Um, so it's it's really hard to compare, and you can't just use that as as kind of your your um, outlier. But if this is what happens, I mean, do you think, Jake? Let's just put your commissioner hat on. Let's say Oliver Luck is able to pull a deal, okay, in the next week that would, you know, bring in make this ACC AAC pack for kind of completion, bring them together. Would you and say, let's just say 15 million. Would you do it? Or do you think you hold out and wait to see if a, a big 12 offer comes along? Yeah, you know, I just feel like with so much uncertainty right now, you kind of have to take the 15 million because you're getting that much at most from the big 12 regardless. And I feel like Oregon State's path to the college football playoff, if they get the auto bid, they're, I mean, they're going to be the top dogs in that conference, and who knows, next time conference realignment comes rolling around, we could be a program that's made multiple college football playoffs where a team like Washington or Oregon struggled in the Big Ten. They've won seven games, eight games a season, and 
we just become that much more appealing. That's, yeah. That's just my kind of gut feeling about it. I, I do think you t you you need to go with it. The upside of joining the if the P the PAC AAC is able to keep that power five designation and auto bid, I think you have to take it mm -hmm. uh, because there is so much uncertainty and you need to get kind of on stable ground. It, you know, you, you have recruiting that you have to do. You have coaches that you want to keep and retain. Um, and you have players on the current roster that you want to, to retain and, and don't kid yourself. There are people reaching out to current football players on the roster right now, trying to spin it that, you know, they need to, to look elsewhere. So what can Beaver fans do right now if they're listening to this, you know, when it feels like kind of a helpless situation, what, what are they, what should they do? Yeah. You know, the two biggest things that come to mind is number one, support, support, you know, these guys are hearing a lot of noise there. I mean, I would imagine it's gotta be hard to kind of put that aside and focus on this season, but the fans have got to get out there, support, just give the kids what they truly deserve. And then the second thing is donate to, donate to NIL collectives because, you know, the bigger programs are going to come calling. And while kids may, may want to stay, they may not be able – they may have bigger opportunities financially otherwhere. And if Oregon State has that, um, if they've got that money in the back pocket, it kind of will make it a little easier. So that would be um, damnation com I believe is just go to yep, damnation.com um, and get, you know, I, I know they have some, you know, monthly plans. They're small. Um, and then yes, buy tickets. What I keep hearing from those in the athletic department as buy tickets, support this team, get out there because as we, as Jake and I've said, this has a potential to be a really, a really big and special year. So be out there, be loud, be rowdy, enjoy that new side of the stadium. And, and yeah. uh, let, let's have nice. Jake and I saw that we could actually talk yeah. about that too, because it's been, yeah, definitely. Um, it was a super impressive tour. Yeah. Yeah. So blown away. let's just go into that then um, before we go into midterm fall camp, let's talk Tuesday, you and I, um, cause we mm -hmm. did film or tape our last pod last Monday. So you and I headed down to Corvallis Tuesday for a media, um, kind of a, a show, you know, a, a tour, I guess, of the, of the new side, Jake, what were your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I was blown away. It is really a state of the art, um, facility i was obviously i came in with high expectations with it being a 150 million dollar project but it is i mean it's the nicest stadium i've ever experienced the um the street they've got they call it beaver street uh, i think don't really remember but it i mean their food was great the drinks were great you know the club levels with the uh, the founders club the coastal club the cascade clubs was were amazing you know um I just feel like the atmosphere on that side is going to be something Oregon State, Oregon State fans haven't really experienced before. Yeah, you know, that, just, that Beaver Street was cool too because you could be in line to get your tacos or your mm -hmm. burger or the the sports bar and still see the field, which was cool. Yeah, and, that and still see field. everything. And, yeah, yeah, and and it's just like I feel like it's much more interactive. You know, there's a lot more space where fans can like walk and watch the games. I feel like the state. I feel like the stadium's a lot more easily navigated now and then like the press box and everything was really impressive but i'm pretty excited about that yeah yeah and those of you who have been the old racer had two elevators for everyone to use that was the upper level seats all the way to the coaches and the broadcasters to media and, and if you ever got stuck in one of those elevators so now there's two elevators for that but there's also escalators and then the football staff will be using 
separate service elevators. So no holding elevators, plenty of walkways, wide walkways. So if you remember the old, old side of Reeser was narrow walkways and tight quarters and tiny little bathrooms, um, it, very wide and spacious and just kind of that view right on top of the field. It can be loud, it can be rowdy. So do we do hope to see so many of you guys there. Jake and I will be at all the games, um, the home games this season. So we hope to see as many Beaver Blitzers as we can. Um, and make sure you come say hi. I, I happened to be at Costco yesterday and I had a, a, a Beaver Blitz member kind of stop me in the aisle and we love it. To, we love to meet you guys. So um, say hi when you see us at the stadium and um, tailgates. We want around tailgates a little before we head into the stadium. So make sure to, to stop us and say hi, but we'll talk more about that closer to the season. Let's jump in though and talk fall camp midterms, um, which I, I kind of want to turn it more into scrimmage um, because I think that was such a good culmination of the whole kind of the first two weeks of practice. Give me your thoughts on the scrimmage besides it was long. Yeah, it was a long one. Um, you know, I thought that the defense, their front seven was really impressive. Um, that was kind of a trend towards the end of spring camp and spring game was like that in fall. And the first scrimmage of the fall was like that as well. I mean, this, this front seven, I think is legit. I mean, They've got a handful of guys instead of just one or two. They're probably seven or eight, nine guys deep that will see action. You know, they'll rotate in, go get to the quarterback, which has been a problem. And, and I mean, they had 11 sacks on, on Saturday. And Oregon State's offensive line isn't a slouch at all. They, um, no, they that, were down a few. The, the yes, O-line, to be fair, Josh they were Tali, down. Yeah. The, the two tackles were down. Um, nothing serious, we're told, just more precaution. Um, but I agree. I thought the I thought the front seven, a couple names besides, you know, Sione and, and James Rawls mm, yeah. is Thomas Collins. I mean, yeah. There were a couple, I, you <laughs> and I were watching it and you're like, and that was Collins again. Oh, that was Collins again. Yeah. Um, Thomas Collins, he's going to be a special one. I, I mean, if you look at the schools that recruited him, you got Texas A&M, Oregon, Penn State. Um, the kid's a legit power five player and he's going to play a lot this year. So true freshman, for those of you guys that don't remember, from Sweden originally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he has been right in the thick of things. A couple other freshmen who have stood out to you on the defensive side. We, we saw Jermod McCoy yeah, running Jermod's with the first been team. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and he's an athletic kid. He was one of the best, one of the best baseball players in Texas, and he was also one of the best. I want to say long jumpers. It was something in track and field. Yeah, it was, long he was it was long jump. Yeah, he was just a super athletic kid, and the coaching staff likes him. Um, another guy is Isaiah Chisholm, freshman linebacker. The coaching staff loves him. Um, he could potentially see some time as well. And I think I feel like this recruiting class is going to be a special one. I feel like it's the best Coach Smith has had, and there's a handful of guys that will play this year, and and a lot of them will contribute in the long run. Yeah, so, I mean, when you look at last year's class, you look at guys like Aiden Childs or Kelsey Howard. Kelsey. Those were, those were the, the big name guys. But now we're seeing some of these other names pop up that, you know, not nothing again. I mean, Aiden Childs has looked fantastic. It's just I don't think he starts this year uh, at quarterback, and we'll get to that in a minute. But, um, I mean, Kelsey's right in there with the twos and threes. But guys like Thomas Collins, Isaiah Chisholm, Jermaud McCoy, I mean, Zachary Card. There's been several guys that I think could see some time, time this season. Yeah, and I think with the whole, you know, Pac-12 d- dissolval thing, I think you're kind of seeing a sense of urgency, whereas the coaches in years past, they may have kind of been more hesitant to, like, redshirt these guys. But now with 
the future so uncertain they're kind of like all right well just screw it and they're just throwing throwing the, their best guys out there and while it may give them some rough adjustment periods these kids will be playing their best football at the end of their freshman year brian miller asked in the chat how has kelsey howard been um and we were just we were just talking about him kelsey howard cracks me up because he looks completely different when you see him in social media than you see him walking by you in this in this very different he has kind of a baby face and he's a he's a big nice kid though um it will be fun he is he's developing there's a lot like like um jake said this is going to be a fun class to follow um just because there are so many so right now would you say that the strength of this defense is the the d-line in front seven yeah definitely uh the secondaries they've had their fair share of you know ups and downs so far but the front seven has been consistently above average this whole camp and if Oregon State's defense can perform, if their front seven can perform like this during games, I think the defense won't see much of a drop off. Okay, so who? Give me kind of your. I, I, I'm going to quiz you here because I know I didn't have this in our on our rundown, but right now, who's your starting front seven? Front seven: uh, James Rawls, Sione Holohea, Joe Golden. Those three at defensive linemen. The outside backers: Andrew Chatfield, John McCartan. Inside backers. Easton Mascarenas, John, and John Hiller. Although there is a handful of guys that are pushing f for starting spots. You know, guys like Isaac Hodgins is pushing Joe Golden. They've both been trading off times. Calvin Hart and John Miller, they've both been switching off. Then you got, and then uh, Corey Stover has been working with the first team a lot as well. So I feel like you're, at least towards the start of the, the, start of the season, there's going to be a bunch of rotation among the front seven. When we see uh, that anyway, Coach Bray likes to rotate. Yeah, and, um, yeah. but, but, but those seven are typically yeah. the first that you see. Joel Holden, that, that is a name that he is a constant contributor, but not a name that you hear about a lot. Yeah, I feel like he's kind of a Kevin Fromm type player where he's like a – Whoa, under, that's, a, that's a name from that's the a past. Throwback. Yeah, just kind of like an under-herald guy who's not talked about a lot, but just a great player and he's just kind of an unsung – player you know what I, I have a really good comment and this is changing gears but joe swaim asked in the actually we'll, we'll keep this hang on we're going to keep joe hang tight we'll add it to the mailbag because it's a really good question about conference realignment but i want to stick with what we're talking about now with the with football and midterm um okay so offensively strength of this team offensively is it still the o-line or do you are you seeing flashes from anything else yeah, I mean, I feel like the strength still the offensive line, but I've been impressed by the passing game, um, which I know is music to a lot of Oregon State fans. But, uh, you know, going through last year's quarterback play against USC and Utah, there wasn't – after that, there wasn't really much of a Dutch, much of a downfield threat. You know, Ben Gorbranson was serviceable, but, I mean, even this – this fall, Gobranson has looked way better. He's been more poised, and he's throwing the ball downfield. He looks a lot more comfortable. But the star of Saturday was DJU. The kid, per my count, he was 13 for 19 and three touchdowns. Um, and and they only plays, scored three touchdowns. Totally yeah, so. they only scored three touchdowns. And he was doing that with the first team, the second team. And if he can perform to this level every game, then Pac-12 is in trouble because – he's among the best yeah and and now mind you 
they really limited some of the starters. You know, I mean, Damian Martinez mm-hmm. only had, you know, a handful of carries. The O-line, didn't like I said, was... Saibo or Gould a lot. Yeah, we didn't see a lot of those first-teamers, and he still was able to put up those numbers. What I noticed, my biggest takeaway from, and I agree, he won the day. And, um, I mean, I think, I, I've said all along he's going to be the starter, but I think he solidified that on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but what, what stood out to me the more than anything was just how the offense ran with him in it, the quarterback, as opposed to Ben Golbranson. When Ben Golbranson was in, it was a slow, slower, more methodical um, offense. And when DJU was in, it was very quick paced. Um, they moved the ball quickly, um, more hurry up. It, it was from a fan perspective, I think fans will, will really enjoy the offense yeah. too. But that was one thing that Oregon State killed them last year was the fact that they didn't have a great downfield threat. So um, that's going to be a, I think something big. And I, I don't know. I, I would imagine that Jonathan Smith will not make a big deal about naming a starter per se kind of lets it work itself out. But um, you probably will kind of maybe, I don't know if they'll have a talk or not, but um, it'll be that Monday before the first, before San Jose state, when that depth chart comes out that probably find out. But uh, like I said, Jake and I both were like, well, this is yeah. kind of solidified because he looked that good. And, and we had him as, as our MVP of the day, it, it was that sharp. So um, running backs, what what did you see from the running backs? Because we didn't see a lot of Damien. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was mostly Jake Reichel, Gavin Haynes, saw a little of Isaiah Hula as well. Um, I think that they're going to be a, f- a physical group. You know, when Dame was playing, he got hit a lot, and he just he's just so tough to tackle. I mean, there was a play that comes to mind. It was – like a third and six, he got hit behind the line, probably at like the forty-yard line. Just bounces right off it, picks up the picks up of first down. It's it's just incredible to watch. I I truly think he's the best running back Oregon State's had since. I I'd argue he might be better than Jaquiz Rogers by the time his okay. time at Oregon State is done. Okay. Uh, so like a Steven Jackson since okay. then, well, but he's been super impressive. It's funny you say that because when we spoke with DJ after practice. You know, somebody asked him about his running backs and, and he kind of laughed about it. And he said, you know, I knew that Damian Martinez was good. You know, I, I knew that he was a good player, but I guess I didn't really see it until today when he bounced off. He was, I thought it was gonna be a broken play and, and a loss. And the next thing I know, he's 17 yards on the field. Yeah. And then I feel like one thing we kind of took away is that the walk-on backs are good. I mean, Jake Reichel, especially, he had a really solid day. He was tough to tackle. Um uh, Gavin Haynes was impressive as well, and I know Cord Shaw is another guy that they've been kind of working in there as working in there as well. So, if something bad happens, you'll you, you're gonna see a Reichel, a Gavin Haynes, see time. And and like I said, DJ can run the ball too. So mm-hmm. um, we have a we have a question here. Um, Michael Herman says most receivers are shorter in stature. Is that a concern? Do we have anyone coming in? It seemed to me that Dunmore was good and had promise. Yeah. Um, I feel like the three starters are all shorter guys, but I'm, I'm expecting to see more of the tight ends this year in the passing game. And that's where the bigger potty guys kind of come in, you know, Jack Velling, Jermaine Terry, they're both six foot four, 230, 240 pounds. Um, Big guys, and they're going to go up and get the ball. Terry, especially, he's proven to be a good red zone target. And I feel like you're going to see more of them in jump ball scenarios, whereas last year the passing game 
at least through the tight ends, wasn't as wasn't what the coaching staff wanted it to be. Um, and and then Dunmore has he landed anywhere? I think he's still. Yeah, pretty, no, he, he committed he to um to Townsend, I believe. Town, okay, okay. So he's so, at the FCS um, level now. Yeah. So, I mean, for those that think that he was going to be a, a major contributor, he might have, but you know, jury's still out and um on that. So we have to go with what Oregon State has. And I agree with Jake. I, I do think we see the tight ends. Jermaine Terry is going to be a name. I think that you guys need to, to get to know mm-hmm. Belling's back. Like I said, then you have Overman and Riley Sharp's been in there too. So yeah. I think he's going to be more of a blocking guy, maybe a fullback too, but um, yeah. To me, Sharp kind of fits the Jake Overman tight end mold yeah. more than yeah. a Jack or the or Jermaine yeah. Terry. Yeah. Um, okay. So we talked running backs. O-line. Are you concerned um, with, some of the guys that were, you know, we, uh, Tolly, Tolly looked like a more recent injury. It almost looked like he tweaked mm-hmm. something during warmups because he was sitting right in front of us. Um, no obvious, like anything they were working on, but um, he did not participate. Um, I think the rest of them were more precautionary from what I've heard, but anything that you've heard that should be concerning? No, you know, I'm expecting the five guys that they've got will be the five they roll out come September 3rd. Uh, Josh and Tolly, they'll be fine, I'm assuming. Um, I, I'm not really too worried about those. And then uh, Bloomfield and Tanner Miller or Grant Stark potentially at the other at the, the guard spots. And then J- Jake Levengood's going to – he's going to, you know, hold down the entire thing at center. So I feel like the first five group that they've got is as solid as it's going to get in the country. And they really were moving guys around. I, I love the yeah, fact Stark that – Stark rotated in a lot. Yeah. Stark rotated in. They had um, Luca Vinci at Garden Center. At Garden Center, which I don't think he's ever played center. Um, Mm -hmm. So really moving guys around so they are able to plug them in should they need them at some point during the season. So I think that's super smart. One funny moment during the scrimmage, um, Coach Mahalachek has the loudest, (laughs) boomingest voice. Um, I mean, I think it must be an O-line trait because Coach Cab did too. But at one point, the freshman too. (laughs) Yeah. And at one point, the freshmen were supposed to be going in, and they had been yelling threes, threes, freshmen, and all of a sudden, the freshman guys weren't out there. And we heard from across the field, Coach uh, Mahalachek yell, uh, you know, freshman, wake, expletive up. So um, it was kind of funny. Just those guys went, and they moved. They, they were in that huddle in, like, the quickest I've ever seen them move. So that was that was good. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Um, so if you're watching live, we're not, it's not too long. We're just going to take a quick break for the podcast side. Um, and we'll be back to do some mailbag questions. But before that, make sure you're a subscriber of beaverblitz.com. We are the source and destination for all things Oregon State Athletics. And the Lodge is the place to discuss with other Beaver fans everything going on with Oregon State. It's a great community. We'd love to have you join and be part of our community um, as we cover football, recruiting, men's basketball, and baseball for the Beavers. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, welcome back. Short little break there for us to plug in a uh, a quick ad for the podcast. But I wanted to get back now to some mailbag questions. Um, I think we've kind of, is there anything else you want to add about the scrimmage? DJ one. DJ front seven. seven. Oh, the kicking game looked better than last year. Uh, both kickers got six attempts and they were both five for six. Okay. Um, Everett Hayes missed about a 46-yarder in Sappington. Uh, the same it was like 46 45 but they both hit from 45 again so um just hoping that's a little more consistent than it was last fall and i think that has to be the biggest question for the special teams is <laughs> yeah is oh that, definitely you know that and i you know i know that um you know there's some injuries that were guys were battling um everett hayes i think was had been bothered by kind of a, a nagging injury so hopefully yeah. they're all healthy they're ready to go um but yeah it, it was not yeah they both did they both miss their first one I want to say Everett missed his first one. He's missed his foot. Yeah, he's missed his first. Atticus Sappington missed his last, okay. I believe. So um, they are working on that. Okay, so I'm going to jump in to um, do a quick question here. If you have questions about the team, please drop them in the chat. Otherwise, we have a whole bunch here on Beaver Blitz as well. But one of the questions that popped up right when we started talking about the season, um, but I, I think it, it – it should be talked about. Joe Swain says, can you explain the financial benefit of staying in the PAC 12 and rebuilding as opposed to joining the mountain West conference? Um, so I think the biggest thing is, is money. I mean, obviously money and that's mountain West right now is in that four to 6 million range for their TV contract deal. Um, whereas potentially a reworked PAC American or AAC merge with maybe a, a mountain West team in there. We we're hearing, 15 to 17 potentially um, million. Oregon State currently is in that 30 to 31 million with the current Pac-12 deal. And if they joined the Big 12, Big 12 is similar to that in that 30, 32 range. Oregon State, Washington State would be taking a, a percentage, a cut of that, probably half. So you're looking at about the 15 range. So regardless of what happens, if Oregon State, from what we're hearing, and granted, this is all kind of, you know, rumor mill, if Oregon State was to just go to the Mountain West and merge with them, the money would be so bad. I mean, it would just It'd be, be like four or five million a year. Yeah, four or five million a year, maybe up to seven to eight. I've heard potentially, but that's still half. That's a quarter of what the Beavers are getting now. So um, that would mean mean huge cuts. I mean, cuts are going to happen. I think when you're at fifteen million, unless fans step up donation wise and and nil wise. But yeah. the difference between a, a 
a pack for joining forces with an AAC and maybe a couple of the bigger named Mountain West teams is more on par with what the Beavers and Cougars would be getting from a shared revenue, a half share of the Big 12. So I hope that kind of answers your question. Um, again, the, the worst case scenario would be Oregon State having to merge with the Mount West. Yeah. Worst case. So That's bottom of the barrel. Uh, bottom, I mean, I, I guess in my mind, I'm still thinking that if there's some way that Stanford and Cal could go to ACC, makes Oregon State, Washington State go to the Big 12 with that Pac-12 network information, you know, and having that to bring over, that might lift them up a little more. So I think that's still, it, it's a long shot, but um, it's still in play. That would no. still be the best, right? Like that would be th the best case scenario. I think the second best then would be kind of a, a work, work around here with the AAC, the pack four and, and kind of making it more of, I mean, a, a conference, but who knows what, like we said earlier, who knows what three to five years this will all look like. So that great question though. You want to do some questions, Jake? You ready? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's do it. Okay. So let's start in the lodge. Um, there's a whole bunch and there was some discussion here, but I'm going to start at the top here. Coach Jonathan Smith, this is from Mr. G. Gray, one of our absolute favorites. He is not a fan of alternate uniforms, but if you could pick a color scheme, a helmet, jersey, and pant for one game of the season, what would it be? Yeah. You know, my hope is that for a road game this year, potentially the Civil War, they pull out um, the white editions of the Fiesta Bowl jerseys that they wore against um, Arizona State in 2021 because those jerseys were the best jerseys I've ever seen Oregon State wear. Um, they had the old logo back, which I grew up with, my favorite, my favorite one, and I would not be opposed to making those the full-time jerseys. I, I, I agree that that throwback to the 2000 um, and like maybe just because that was kind of my my era. I, that was that was those were probably my favorite uniforms of all time. And, and those throwbacks mm -hmm. were were pretty much on point. And we, we're having some, like some agreement here. Beaver Believer 4 says 2000s. Um, yeah, 2000s were the best. Uh, let's see here for the Beavers wants to talk a little bit about OSU and fundraising. Um, and just no matter what happens, they're going to need a groundswell. And that's completely true. And they're going to need it both with the our Beaver Nation, but they're also going to need it with NIL. And uh, I would almost argue that NIL is gonna, going to be almost more important to try to retain guys they have um, with the less with the with the lower um, TV revenue. Dad of two Beavs has a whole bunch of questions. And this will be a good one because I know we were just talking about this before we went live. Meckler is with the Giants. You want to talk a little yeah. bit about the latest Beaver to get called up to the majors? Yeah, I mean, Wade Meckler, in my mind, is kind of a guy that epitomizes Oregon State as a college. You know, he was a guy that was told, even at the beginning of his Oregon State career, going into his sophomore, junior year, that, you know, you're not going to cut it here, transfer, and it kind of just pissed him off. He grinded, trained, and he turned into the fourth guy from the 2022 draft class to be called up. And all three of those guys – got called up to the Los Angeles Angels, which kind of have a history of doing that, and it hasn't worked out very well. So it kind of speaks to itself that a storied franchise like San Francisco that usually takes their time with their top prospects saw so much, so much of him to bring him up. And, you know, I'm just super proud of him, super impressed, and I can't wait to watch. Yeah, it was a great story there. Um, great, Yeah, great story. He also wants to know, what is the best new food or drink at Research Stadium? Um. 
the Benny's gimlet was delicious. That was so good. Uh, yeah, it was like rum and uh, I don't remember what else. And then I also had um, their spicy buffalo wings. I think that's what they were like called. Like a cilantro but, aioli yeah. or something? It, 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 was it good? They were good. Okay. I, I was very impressed. And um, that was all I had. Wings, right? Boneless, yeah. And then uh, they had a selection of hot dogs. There was like a um, a Hawaiian dog. And I don't remember dog. the other two. A Caprese. Caprese and, then, dog. and they were like there giant was one hot dogs. Other. Yeah. Um, and the, but the Hawaiian dog was delicious. So um, I didn't try any of the food. I did try a Benny's gimlet, and that was delicious. Um, was they also good. had some kind of spicy margarita. So they said they would have a signature drink each week. So um, get that down. And Beaver Street will have tacos. I think they're partnering with Kudoba. The burger stand will be cheesy stuffed burgers. Yeah. And then, and then they're also, pizza, pizza, yeah, Streets of Public House will be with their pizza uh, yep. vendors. Um, they're taking a lot of pride. I was surprised they had food and drink for the media because that's yeah. kind of unlike, but that was, it was sweet to see what they, what they will be offering and um, to have some elevated choices will be great for fans. Um, Jake, will Jake get to sit in the press box? Yes, he will. Jake yep. will be in the press box. Every um, man except he'll, Stanford. And then he'll be on the sideline. We'll be him and I will be doing kind of our hit from the field before the game. Um, and then, like I said, before that, even we'll be wandering around tailgates and then we will be hitting the field. Um, try to give as many updates as we can, because sometimes you learn some good stuff about who's not dressed and, and who's looking, you know, who's not warming up. Um, who looks to be the leaders of this 2023 team? Who do you think are the, the captain type leaders? Yeah. You know, four guys kind of spring straight to mind as team captain types. Um, offense side of the ball, Josh Gray, Jake Levengood. Um, Josh Gray in particular, you know, this past Saturday, he was kind of coaching up the offensive line. When guys came off the field, he sat them down on the bench. You know, he gave them what he thought they did wrong. I think those two are locks to be team captains. And then on defense side of the ball, I feel like Katana Ladapu is a big leader. Isaac Hodgins is one as well. And then I think Easton Haskarinas could also sneak in there as another potential team captain. Yeah, those guys are all um, being great leaders. And um, I like the body language and things I've seen from Ben and DJ as and, well. Like, yeah. I think both Especially those guys, ben, yeah, yeah I, Ben, um, it's, it's got to be a tough position, right? I mean, and and he wants it. He's grinding super hard, um, but I, I like yeah. it. And then to be fair too, DJ, I'm impressed with him too because here he comes from where he's he's been the big dog when he was in recruiting. He's the big dog at Clemson, and then he has to come and take kind of a, a back seat. And they're not pushing him. You know, they didn't throw him at Media Day. You know, he would have been one of the the top guys to talk mm -hmm. to at Media Day, and it, he hasn't. You know, I, he hasn't earned it, so he did not go. Um, but I, I like his demeanor. It's it's he's his head's down and he's working hard. So all those guys, um, Aiden Childs, the the quarterback room I've heard is is pretty. For as competitive as they are, um, I hear they get along pretty well. So um, that's that's huge. Um, here for the Beeb says, you guys have reported that coaches from opposing institutions, Peterson, Coach Peterson, and Coach Banker have been seen at practice. First, So Coach Peterson now is with Fox. And yeah. I know that he has done some consulting at Washington. But you guys remember, he's Co Coach, Coach Smith. Jonathan. Coach Smith and has Coach been Baby. with him. Yeah. yeah. So um, he's not trying to steal secrets. Um, and then coach banker is no longer on the staff at Washington state. Great to see him. I, I saw him at the scrimmage and, um, he looks relaxed and tan and, uh, it was good to see him. And, you know, he coached Trent Bray. So, um, I'm sure 
You know, it's mm -hmm. great to have him maybe pop in a meeting and, and give a film session and just kind of watch to see another set of eyes. Um, yeah. You know, what what would, Banker thinks. I wouldn't be shocked if Banker was more of a constant face at practice. It's, it seems to me like he's living in Corvallis now. He's been at practice both weeks. So feels like more kind of like a long-term hangout in Corvallis type move from him. Yeah. And like I said, it's, it's always nice to have another set of eyes of guys you trust that can help you maybe see things or, or throw, you know, lend a, an idea of, Hey, what about this? Or what about that play? Um, okay. What in blue hell OSU asked top two or three guys that have made the biggest jump from last year to this year's camp talent, physique, or just overall play. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really see fall camp last year, but just based off spring camp, uh, first couple names that jumped to mind, um, Jimmy Valson, he's been a guy that was uh, banged up in the spring. Didn't see a lot of him play last year, but he's he's come in and he's earned a spot in the two deep, and he's he's going to be a guy that plays a lot. Um, besides Valson, Takari Hickel's been one of my favorites. He's been a guy who I wasn't expecting a whole lot of, but he's going to be a contributor this year as well. Um, Jermaud McCoy, a freshman kid, he's really impressed. Noble Thomas, a, a, a redshirt freshman, he's also – he will play as well. So I feel like you have a bunch of younger guys that will be contributors that Beaver fans haven't gotten accustomed to yet. Uh, Para Beeb says, offensive line was the strength last year. D-line has been doing work all fall. Is this a dramatic improvement in the front seven or a step back on the O-line or a little bit of both? I think it's – I don't think I just I just think it's an improvement in the front seven. You know, Oregon State's offensive line, um, they're they've got all their guys back from last year. Tanner Hiller is more than capable of taking over for Brandon Kipper, as is Grant Stark. The defensive line just has an intensity and an edge that I haven't seen since I was like seven eight with the Stephen Pye days. You know, um, I I think Beaver fans. We'll start to see uh, with the with San Jose State game, UC Davis, you're going to see the best front seven that you've seen in a long time. Okay, so kind of along those same lines, but different positions. DJ and the receivers had a nice day at the scrimmage. Are DJ and the receivers going to be much improved from last year, or are we seeing struggles in the secondary? This, I feel like, is more of a mixture of both. Um, coming out of spring, the secondary was impressive, but they've kind of taken a step back. You know, they've, they've had – issues stopping the passing games um the passing game has been much improved and i think that's attributed to dj kind of getting more in tune with his receivers um the first group of the secondary i'm not too concerned about you know their experienced guys outside of that second corner spot they've all played a lot of football but the depth behind that is where it gets a little shaky and if one of the safeties in particular goes down then oregon state could be in trouble there um, over and this is kind of a fun one over under on how long it takes you a vote to start pining for the good old days of the pack under schedule wise, not under, under what two years under two. Yeah. I'm saying under, under three. three. Okay. I mean, under I just three. feel okay. like, I feel like football wise, it'll be okay. They won't compete for national championship, but they will be able to f travel well, but with the smaller sports, the Olympic sports, you know, you got your softballs, your golfs, all that. Like those kids are gonna have to fly from Eugene to Rutgers or from Eugene to Maryland, and they're gonna be doing this every weekend, every other weekend. And I, I just don't think it's sustainable. It's gonna take a toll on these kids academically as well as athletically. It's just not 
it's just not a smart move, in my opinion. Um, Connor Johnson wants to know, um, was Quincy right at the backup DT? Yeah, Quincy was running with the third group. Uh, the third group primarily consisted of Kelsey Howard, Quincy Wright, and then Tavis, Shippen, and Samisis. Haluni kind of rotated with the twos and threes. Um, but Quincy had a solid day. Um, he had a sack, if my, if my memory's correct, on Aiden Childs. Um, he's a guy that could factor in. You know, he's got guys in front of him, but I feel like with how deep this defensive line is, you're going to see more of a rotation than in years past where it's just been three to four guys playing consistently. Okay, Brian Miller said, we were plagued with bad drops by our wide receivers at the beginning of last year. Are you seeing any of this this year, or have they improved? Yeah, I'm not seeing a ton. Um, not a knack on Treshawn Harrison, but at the start of last year, he had a tendency to drop a ball or two a game. Uh, the touchdown against Boise State, would it be touchdown kind of springs to mind there. Tajon as well kind of had his moments with drops as well. But their first group, Bolden, Gould, Josiah, they appear to be much more sure-handed or at least in practice. Um, a guy who I think has the best hands on the team might be Jeremiah Nanoga. He catches everything that comes his way. He's been a younger guy that's been super impressive. Um, I, I feel like drops won't be as big of an issue as they were last year. How about pass rush? We have uh, Michael Hermans asking if we will see an improved pass rush this year. Yeah, if Saturday's scrimmage was any indication, this is going to be Oregon State's best pass rush they've had in recent memory. Just from outside backer, inside backer, nickel back, defensive line, they've got guys that will apply pressure and get to the quarterback. Okay, and then we have a comment, but I think this is, you know, we've been talking a lot about conference and where the beeves end up. Connor Johnson says, everyone treat, tweet out Beaver Athletic stuff toward the Big 12 and Brett, your mark. Um, I think that's kind of what Oregon State is doing right now with all of their kind of, you know, just standing. Not only does it support, I think, keep it classy and support your guys. It doesn't need to be rude, but I think that's, you guys do you on social media, but that's what I would recommend. Keep it classy, keep it positive toward Oregon State. Show them, the, show the Beavers some love. And if you want to, at Big 12 Athletics, hashtag Big 12. I don't see a reason why not to. Um, here we have a comment about Wade Meckler. He is a true, he is a dirtbag. Yeah, he yeah. will do whatever it takes to win. Great player. Super um, excited to watch that tonight. Yeah, super fun. Just, I mean, there's there's a lot to look forward to. And I, I think that's what kind of is getting me is the fact that this whole realignment stuff is, is taking away from what should be a super fun and exciting and full of anticipation year for Oregon State yeah. on the football field. And yeah. I mean, I, it really I, doesn't seem like it, but kickoff's only 20 days away. So I know. So you guys, honestly, um, we are going to be working on kind of our, our predictions. I have started. Um, we actually are going to do a run your pool this year for a Beaver Blitz um, pick em, a weekly pick em. So um, make sure to join. It'll be free to everyone to join. Um, and we'll figure out prizes. They, they do have some type of way you can wager in it, but I, I'm going to just try it this way. I'm actually paying money to do this to make it easy to pick picks and it tallies everything for you. So um, there's a, a link in the lodge. I just popped that up today. So make sure you join that. It just makes it fun um, for the season. I just checked. I think we're at 27 and I just popped it up. So um, get in there. We can talk some smack about it all season and, and I'll figure out some kind of good prize for whoever ends up winning that this year. My plan is to have you pick all the Pac-12 games each week and then a handful of other games, whether that comes from um, I've kind of thought about San Diego State, SMU kind of games, but then also kind of the big games of the week. So I think right around 15 to 17 games a week we'll be picking. 
Super easy though. You can do it right on your phone um, to make it um, as convenient as possible. And it auto tallies everything for us. So um, it should be a lot of fun. So do that. And if you're not a member of Beaver Blitz, now is the time to join. Uh, join us now. Get behind the scenes info. Get inside from former players post in there. We have family members that post inside stuff. Um, plus just the fun we have talking back and forth. Jake will post all his uh, practice lodge notebooks, which give you really everything you need to know about the football team and how it, how it went. So join us now um, before the season starts so you don't want to miss a thing. But other than that, Jake, you want to play a little bit of, of Name That Beaver? Let's do it. Okay. I need a song. I need like some kind of a, a fun <laughs> song for it. Um, okay. I'm ready. Yes, no questions. Um, and right. there has I to be a player that played from 2000 on. Okay. Um, is he on the offensive or defensive side of the ball? Yes or no questions. Oh, sorry. Is he on the offensive side of the ball? Yes. Okay, offense. Did this player play from 2010 to 2020? Um, yes. Did he play under Jonathan Smith? No. Did he play under Gary Anderson? No. This is a Riley guy. Was he a skill player? Yes. Was he a pass catcher, like yes. receiver tight end? Okay. Yes. Uh, Marcus Wheaton? No. It's not Victor Bolton, is it? No. Connor Hamlet? No. Uh, it's not. It's not Brandon Cooks, right? No. Okay, I was gonna You're say. You're ten. Oh man, already? <laughs> already. I can only guess their. It's it's not Jordan Hilleman, is it? No. Yeah, yeah. Riley receiver or tight end. Joe Halloni? No. Richard Mullaney? No. You want a hint? Yeah. He had a great name for a wide receiver. Is it Obum Guachum? No. Great name for a receiver. I'm going through my old my old guys. Jordan Stop Bishop. You. Wait, what did you say, Jordan Bishop? No, not Jordan Bishop. Bishop. Nobody's helping me in the comments. A good name for receivers. That's where it gets. He didn't play in the NFL, right? No. Oh, comment. Daryl Catchings. <laughs> yes. I should have. Number 15. Number 15. Daryl Catchings. Yes. I know. Look at there was a couple of Sammy. No, it was hard to thank you, Jordan. Appreciate it, Jordan. And and it was 2007. It was 7-Eleven, right? Yeah, Yeah. that's where it got me. So I'll never. I was thinking of more of the cats guys. So if you so kind of got me was that so he is married to Baker's daughter. um, Oh really? I didn't know that. Beautiful family, but he had a couple drops in one of the games, and so I happened to be at practice one day, and I walk in, and the guys were giving him the worst time, and they. They called him Dr. Droppings, and it was actually pretty comical <laughs> to watch. These guys just razz him. So, okay, that does it for this episode of the Damn Podcast. Well, we've been, are we going to do this next week too? You you in for another week? Okay, let's do it. Yep. We will be back next week to talk everything the rest of, of fall camp because then they will for sure be transitioning into um, into game prep mode and. We'll also hopefully have some more answers for where the Beavs' home will be. But until then, he's Jake. He's Hedberg Jake, right? At Twitter, Hedberg Jake, Hedberg Jake One, I think. Hedberg I Jake One, 
I'm Something. Angie Machado Thank one you. on Twitter. And then make sure to follow us in the lodge at Beaver Blitz. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.